0: Quick disclaimer: All information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and/or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome to the Untethered Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Balkin. I'm a certified orofacial myologist, feeding specialist, and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up-to-date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy, tethered oral tissue, and airway space. I challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to get this information out to the masses. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to episode 56 of the Untethered podcast. Today, we have Daniel Lopez joining us. Daniel is a board-certified osteopathic manipulative medicine physician and regenerative medicine specialist at Osteopathic Integrative Medicine in Lakewood, Colorado. He is a 2007 graduate of Midwestern University's Arizona College of Osteopathic Medicine in Glendale, Arizona. He has been studying the effect the tongue has on the body for over six years since the birth of his first daughter. He has lectured at the IAOM convention in 2018, and he's been featured on podcasts where he discussed the topic of the tongue's relationship to the rest of the body. He's currently putting together an online self-help course for patients titled The T-Element and working on more advanced courses for professionals. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very excited to have you here and to talk all about the tongue and the impact on the body. Thank you. So let's. Glad just, to be here. Yeah, I'm. 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 You have no idea how excited I am because I think that something that's not talked about enough is the full body impact and and you know how just this little thing in our mouth is responsible for so much. So let's take a nosedive into that topic and you know talk to us about how you got started with just exploring the tongue in general to begin with.
1: All right. Well, I I've been I'm an osteopathic physician first of all, and I, I've been in private practice for about 10 years. And for a long time, I was, I spent a lot of time understanding the importance of say the jaw. And, and I felt like, all right, the the masseter muscles of the jaw seem to have an impact on the rest of the body. And so uh, I, I I work a lot with with cause and effect. So for example, if if I got the muscles of the jaw to, to calm down, I would check other places in the body to see if they structurally felt different. And I'm not talking about like maybe a subtle change like oh this might feel like it's it's a little bit different i'm i'm talking like a night and day like this didn't move at all and now there's a lot of motion here kind of thing and and so uh but it, it, it do by doing that it gives me real-time feedback of what's happening and after m- after my oldest daughter was born when when uh, she's she's six now uh she was a a huge baby but um but when my wife went back to work after two months, she couldn't actually drink out of a bottle. And so we had we knew a little bit about tongue ties and lip ties. So uh, rather than taking her to the pediatrician, which we knew the pediatrician was going to say, like, no, they don't need it. We, we kind of bypassed that and, and made an appointment and had her tongue tie and, and lip tie released. Uh, however, um, I, I watched her latch immediately before doing the release and then immediately after. Uh, And it just, it it kind of blew my mind because her whole face changed. It was like her face got whiter, her upper Mm -hmm. lip got pinker as it seemed to get more blood. And so then after that, I started thinking, well, you know, is this something I need to be thinking about for my patients? And so because of that, I I started thinking, well, I need to find an adult who's tongue-tied and still being kind of naive at the time it took me a while to realize that I was tongue-tied and so then at that point I was like well that's in a way like that's kind of a blessing because uh, I've I I have a knowledge of the body and anatomy that other people don't so I'll be able to interpret things a little bit differently and and be a little more aware potentially of of what things are, are changing and 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 whatnot. So I, I found somebody in the phone book or just not in the phone, but nobody uses the phone book anymore online. and uh, (laughs) I'm just dating myself and, and, uh, I found somebody online near my office and turned out that he did tongue tie releases. And I asked him if he would, if he would be willing to, uh, do it for an adult you know and all that and and he said he would so i went and and he was kind of asking me like well why do you want to do this and i I told him you know i was like well i've been told most of my life that i mumble and things like that and i didn't really want to be like well i'm just doing this as an experiment (laughs) to see if it's like how it's going to affect my body things like that so so i went in and and you know he did it and it was honestly one of the like it was a life-changing experience like even as, as soon as he was done uh I remember sitting there and feeling like my airway was open in a way that I had never experienced before and and I was still numb, it was just I could feel the relaxation there and I reached back and I was like my head is sitting on my neck differently and it wasn't that my neck was stiff per se but it had definitely even gotten more relaxed and and had changed but then I started to notice other changes like I could take deeper breaths and, and swallowing was different and even the shape of my tongue had changed but then I noticed, uh, even just in my arms, like this used to be like a lot more indented in here, like from the inside, like it was pulled in, and then suddenly it had been filled out. And uh, hump on my thoracic uh, CT junction there uh, had sort of flattened out, and and then you know I, I noticed that finally the masseters that I'd been working on for years, trying to figure out why they never stay released after I released them, like just relaxed and stayed relaxed. And so at that point, it really just got me started on, on this whole trying to study this. And, and the thing that I wanted to know was how do I explain that, you know, you, you cut a little bit under there, and then there's this whole body wide effect. And so that's really what I then re- like spent the next several years trying to figure out and, and explain because uh, as I started sending other patients who I thought were good candidates and I was learning more, a lot of them were describing similar things. But with, after my first tongue tie release, I um, I went back to the to the dentist and I was like you know I, it it was amazing and my only regret is I didn't do it like thirty plus years ago but after that I was like, I still feel like there's some, some more that is still left intact there. So he, he went back and did it again in the same way. And then uh, after that second time, I didn't really feel like it made a big difference. So at that point I kind of felt like, okay, I'm, I'm done. You know, I've, I've probably maxed this out. Uh, and then uh, let it go for a few years. And then eventually I went back to, and started revisiting the issue and started looking at anatomy a little bit more in depth. And as I was doing that, I started to realize that really the the way the tongue is connected to the rest of the body is like uh, down to the chest and the diaphragm and mediastinal region. So there was this mm-hmm. strong pull and tension. And so I it, it dawned on me. I was like, well, if, if we shorten this space here when the muscle, the, the tongue tie causes the tongue to contract, contract, we're essentially taking this space and compressing it down. And so it, it's causing a lot of this forward head posture, but a lot of that also makes it really difficult to swallow properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in a way, it's 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 the body trying to compensate so that the tongue can actually lift up and, and rise so that people can swallow. But as I was doing that, I, I was like, well, I'm not really tongue-tied anymore, So I, you know, but I wanted to put tension on that system. So I arched my back as much as I could and I tilted my head back and and I realized that I couldn't swallow. And I was like, oh, great. I figured out a way to, to show like people who aren't tongue-tied what it feels like to be tongue-tied. Hmm. And so uh, I ran over to my wife, who isn't tongue-tied. And I was like, try this. So you know, I had her arch her back and tilt her head back. And I was like, now try to swallow, thinking, oh, I've got her. She's not going to be able to swallow. And she just swallowed like it was no big deal. And <laughs> she looked at me and was like, uh, what you know, and and so then at that point I was like, oh, "What just happened?" Like, why
0: can't it, I swallow? <laughs> why
1: can't I do it? So I was like, "If I'm not tongue tied anymore, then I should essentially be able to swallow." But then it dawned on me. I was like, "Oh, I've as as I started look at it, look at it a little bit differently, uh, I realized that I still had a big." Portion of my tongue tie intact, and I think that's what I was originally feeling when I went back for that Mm -hmm. second round. Uh, It was just that they never went back deep enough, and and you know I realized that when they were eventually, or when they were first initially. assessing it that you know they were pulling the tongue out you know and sticking it out to see how far it would come out and and then sticking the tip of the tongue to the roof of the mouth and and all that is fine i'm i'm not opposed to that but i was like i don't ever do those motions like regularly in a typical day i'm not sticking my tongue out at people all the time and Mm -hmm. or sticking the tip of my tongue to the roof of my mouth so it it dawned on me i was like well the motion that really matters and the one that i struggle and can't do is for the back of my tongue blade to rise up and down and so then at that point i was like well why are we doing all these things and not focusing on how well does the tongue is is the tongue able to rise and fall so um so then i went back and, and had a third release not because it any of it had grown or reattached or anything it was just realizing I've missed a lot and, and a lot's been missed. So I, I went back to um, at this point I had moved and I was somewhere else. So I went back to, I, w- I went to somebody else and, and asked uh, her if she could do it in this way that I had been describing and get the piece that I that I had uh, felt was still, uh, still needed releasing. And she did that and she went much deeper than I'd had before. And it was it was very painful that night. And uh, but I, I did also notice that I had a lot more spinal motion and, and things like that. And so in, in a way, after that initial uh, soreness, where I was questioning whether I did the right thing or not, I, I, I did feel like it, it again, made it another big change that that was important that I that my body needed. So that's more or less kind of where I've gotten to. And, and so because of that, I've, I've always spent a lot of time wanting to study then how do the how it is the tongue is, is affecting the rest of the body. Again, realizing, uh, when I'm treating people, if I treat their tongue, I'm always assessing other structures of their, of their body throughout their body. And, and, and then I'll go and treat their tongue and then reassess them to see, to get some real time feedback. And, uh, where, where I can then say, okay, I, I see this pattern on almost everybody. Like mm. a lot of times I'll see the sternum release. And for example, if, if I treat, you know, 90 people and, and release their tongues and their sternum releases, and then suddenly I treat one and uh, their sternum stays stiff, then at that point, you know, it's like, okay, I've seen this pattern enough that I felt like that should have released that, but now I got to figure out w- what else is going on that is, Preventing that sternum from releasing, but anyway, that's more or less kind of my long-winded story on how I <laughs> how I got it in, in, into all of this. And and uh, but it's been a fascinating journey, and I, I still keep learning more and, and coming up with um, more interesting ideas and observations that, that I that I like to share.
0: I love it. I mean, I I think that I've talked to a number of providers on the podcast, and I always find that there's a high percentage of us that have been through this ourselves that either like I'm going through adult expansion. Then I had ortho relapse and I did all the things, you know, in the past and um, my daughter's in an ALF and she's four and she had her tongue tie to release at two. And my, you know, my other one had her tongue released at five days of life. And I had my mine released after the two of them um, probably should have done the expansion first, but either way, my tongue does fit up there in the posterior portion and I'm constantly like, but we need to expand a little more because we need this. And we're still trying to turn the maxilla on one side a little bit. And um, going to, uh, I work with the PT who does like manual counter strain. And so he's been, he does a lot. You know, what, what you're explaining, I've learned a lot through him because he does that where he touches one part of the body. And he goes, oh, we need to address this part of the body, like completely opposite end. And I always joke, I leave there feeling like I've had this full body massage and he barely touched me um, because it just, everything feels like it's flowing, it's working, it's in alignment. And um, it's really, it's just very fascinating. So would you say that the tongue is the most important place to treat or, you know, what do you feel is like the most important part of the body?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like the tongue is often overlooked in by most uh, people that do body work, but. Uh, just through my uh, studying different places in the body, like I said I spent a lot of time I've spent a lot of time treating the head and the jaw and everything like that and what I've just uh, come the conclusion that I've come to is just that uh, uh, the tongue essentially has the most impact on on almost everything. so I've gotten to the point where I'm like well if I had a you know hypothetical scenario where uh, I had a patient come in who couldn't speak and I could only do one thing on them and, and I, had, I have no way to evaluate anything that's going on with them. Like I would treat the tongue because that has the biggest impact. And, and we we'll, I guess as we go along, we can talk anatomically, maybe why, why that is. But uh, I do find that, that the tongue is, is a huge uh, component for, for neck and pain, tension, headaches chest tension and, and then, and definitely, uh, other problems throughout the body. So, um, yeah.
0: So what, what would you say some of the, I mean, you, you listed some of them, but are there certain patterns that you see in people who have tongue ties that like you, you meet somebody, you, you either see them or touch them and immediately you're like, Oh, I know what's going on here. Is there, are there certain things that are pretty frequent pattern wise?
1: Yeah, talking. definitely. Uh, for one, I, I, I mean, I, f- I, feel a lot of tension in the neck, but it's not just, uh, it's, it's not just the tension that, that people have in the neck. There's also in the front of the neck, which I think is also an, an under appreciated area. People are always complaining of the back of pain in the back of their neck. But, but when you're talking about the pharyngeal muscles and the esophagus and the trachea and, and all these places in the front that, that, uh, really are, are major, uh, components of, of neck pain, tension, headaches. Again, it's part of this potty posture that's pulling, that can be pulling people down and potentially uh, causing other problems. But, uh, you know, in terms of also like why I, I consider the tongue to be the most important place is also because there's, uh, when, you, when we're looking at, at the tongue, there's the musculoskeletal attachments of the tongue. You've got, you've got the tongue attachments to the soft palate, you know, the styloid process, the mandible, uh, the hyoid and, and all these places are, are, are super important. But then fascially, uh, you know, there, t- the, the fascia is attaching to the cranial base. So to me, this is the reason why, for example, when you, when you look at a mouth breather versus, a, a somebody who typically breathes through their nose, the mouth breather has the longer face is because of that, the pattern that, that, that takes place because of that, from that fascial pull of the cranial base, uh, so that that pharyngeal, pharyngeal fascia is attached to the pterygoid processes of the of the sphenoid, and then also to the uh, the petrous portion of the temporal bone, the occipital the occiput from underneath. So when it when it pulls all that down, it creates for in in, in the cranial uh, osteopathy world, that's called an extension pattern, the, the mm-hmm. adenoid face, but that's essentially what happens when you pull those pterygoid processes forward. Then there's the, uh, you know, the tongue's attachment to the, essentially the, the uh, esophagus, the trachea, you know, it's, it's really just a, a visceral attachment, but that visceral fascia is also incredibly strong. I mean, I don't know how many people necessarily always think about the tongue, but every time you swallow what the tongue is actually doing is lifting up all your organs Mm -hmm. I mean if you're thinking about it it's it's pulling your esophagus it's driving it up you you'll feel your trachea come up and down and and your your lungs aren't just free free floating in your chest they're they're anchored down to your chest through ligaments onto your diaphragm so it's it's essentially putting tension on it and, and, and coming back down so it's it's really strong in that in that way then there's also just the the craniofacial and airway development portion of it uh, that that happens from proper tongue function. And I think that's why the tongue is is important to treat. And and I know uh, you know I'm I'm on some Facebook groups. I've I've seen people say you know like well just because you change the structure doesn't mean that you change the function. And and for for me in osteopathy you know there's this reciprocal. Uh, relationship between structure and function. So if you change the function function, you're gonna t- change the structure. But the thing to me is uh just because you change a structure doesn't mean that the tongue function is gonna change. Like uh you've got to change the whole thing. I mean mm-hmm. and and for most of us who have underdeveloped jaws and and uh in a whole slew of things it's not just that uh, you know you can uh, Pop somebody's neck for example i mean that's and, and think that you've changed the structure and suddenly the tongue is going to function differently you've got to change the whole thing essentially re-establish a normal mandible in terms of how it would have developed in the first place and 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 get everything that's associated back and i think then at that point you've got a much better chance of having a normal function yes there are behavioral components but but I just I'm just trying to point out that just because you change a few things here and there doesn't necessarily mean that that's you you could make the conclusion that that's going to change the tongue function because you haven't changed necessarily everything uh, but then with the with the tongue there's also the uh, it's got innervation from the trigeminal nerve in the vagus and the thing about those is uh, I mean first of all we know the vagus affects the rest of the body that Uh, you know, that's the whole parasympathetic component there, but the trigeminal nerve does too in a, in a less direct way. And you know, when the trigeminal nerve is one of the uh, muscles that innervates the dura mater in the, in the cranium and also the muscles of mastication. So when I was looking at these masseter muscles, trying to figure out why they weren't releasing part of that connection there between the masseter muscles and, and their tension, why they wouldn't release was because of the influence from the tension and, and sensory innervation they were getting from the tongue. But then that also creates a change in the dura mater, which, again, is, goes from, the, from inside the skull all the way down to the tailbone. So then you get changes all the way through as, as, as you reset or, or get a change with the trigeminal nerve. Uh, and then lastly, I just wanted to point out, you know, again, the, the last piece of why I think the tongue is the most important place to treat is because of the, all the fascial connections. We talked about how the tongue is fascially connected to the visceral fascia, which is considered the strongest fascia in the body. But then when, when we look at the, the tongue is strongly connected to the hyoid through the hyoglossus. And so the hyoid has, uh, there's the investing layer of fascia around the neck. This is just around the whole neck. And then there's a, it's like a big tube and then two smaller tubes inside of it. And the tube in the front is called the pretracheal fascia. That uh, fascia attaches to to the hyoid as well. So now we've got two of the three fascial layers in the neck that are continuous with the rest of the, throughout the rest of the body. Attaching to the hyoid, so uh, that would also potentially explain, you know, a way of how there there can be such big distant effects. So anyway, I hope that all kind of makes sense. I'm
0: yeah, no, that's I that's wonderful in a in a very simplistic way. I I taught some of this. We have a feeding course, and I am teaching them about tethered oral tissues and a little bit about you know orofacial myofunctional disorders, but also want them to consider the full body connection. And so I share podcast episodes with them to listen to. So this will be added to it for sure. Um, but, you know, I very simplistically just said to them, like, if you look at the muscles and you look at the nerves, and you look at all the innervations from the tongue to the hyoid to the esophagus, to the trachea, you know, we get, what are some of the chief complaints we get when we get feeding patients? We get complaints of reflux or aphasia or, you know, and a lot of these, these children have tethered oral tissues, but what is that doing to the rest of the body? And so I just wanted to get them to start thinking about some of these things. And so you gave a really deep, great example that I'm gonna be like, you guys have to go listen to this right now. Um, Because I think that's it's just a fantastic way to demonstrate the connection throughout the body and how you can't truly separate one part of the body from another, even though it tends to be taught that way or discussed as though, you know, well this doctor treats this and this doctor treats that and this specialist does this and this special well, like you said, it's more about like the the function and the structure and you know, well, it's almost like chicken or egg, which one came first? Does it matter which one came first? We know we probably have to, to deal with both. And we know that if we change the structure that might change some function, but it's probably not going to give you full function back. If you have these certain, you know, habitual patterns in place that we need to treat therapeutically, behaviorally, um, but who knows you know i see various things depending on the age of the child and just how many other factors are at play um, in my patients and so this is this is just so helpful because you know i always make it very simple like like i said i tell people we're connected from the tip of our tongue down to our toes um and just learning about even the different fascial layers goes i think goes to show how we are ever so connected so thank you for that that was really awesome
1: Yeah. I mean, my focus has always been like, you know, trying to, you know, as, as I've been doing this, you know, uh, when, when I, when I myself or sent other patients to have tongue tie releases was to try to explain all the different things that they were describing, not necessarily be like, well, that can't happen. You know, it was more like, okay, this seems to be happening. So how do I describe and explain that in a way that's, that's, anatomically acceptable to me because I've also on certain forums people are like well how you know how does the tongue tie affect the uh, reflux for example and I go through this whole anatomical detailed explanation and then somebody was like well it's just it's a midline issue and I'm like well but that doesn't explain anything to me like that doesn't for me like explain like why you know And, and so yeah that's that's what I that's what I like to hear is 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 to understand the anatomy
0: yeah and so then uh, with that understanding when you get in there and you treat the tongue are you able to I guess my question is this I get patients in here for me where it's sometimes they're borderline and we're looking under the tongue and we're going well is it that they actually have a tongue tie and that that tissue down the midline is in fact tight, or is it that maybe some of the surrounding structures are carrying tension from other maladaptive patterns, and if we treat some of those, maybe we can gain full function, or we can gain, not maybe full, but we can gain more. and maybe they don't need a phrenectomy a or maybe, you know, or maybe they end up needing one anyways and well, at least we've now prepared them better for it. Um, so we always, you know, advise in pre-op and post-op surrounding that procedure and a team body, a team approach with, you know, whether it's Mayo and the release provider and body work, you know, osteopath or whoever's involved. Um, right. What are like, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I mean, for me, I, again, I, I kind of look at it in, in from two different directions. I mean, I've, I've looked at things like, okay, well, if I, if I release the diaphragm, how does that affect the tongue function? But uh, in, in a sense, it, you know, when when somebody has uh, a tether, I nowadays I'm more aware. I, I have a pretty low threshold in terms of recommending a release, and the reason for that is that I, I I've also come to understand that I, I can't overcome uh, the effects of the tongue tie. I mean, I I I can overcome it maybe temporarily to a certain degree, but, but uh, in the long run, I, I don't feel like I can uh, because then the more after I release it manually, they're going to, they're going to leave my office. They're going to, they're going to talk, they're going to swallow, they're going to breathe. <laughs> Over are, are fairly common. You know, it's like you can't avoid not using your tongue. And the more you use it, if it's, if it's tethered, it's going to just cause your, the tongue to reclamp back down. And and so I, I tend to have that low threshold for that reason, knowing that it's potentially going to affect uh, craniofacial development, airway, things like that. And even with adults, I, I still think it's, it's, it's worth uh, doing. But then, let um, me think. Um, Sorry, I lost my train of thought there, so, all right.
0: So I was, yeah, I was, I was curious because sometimes I get like borderline cases and I have to wonder, you know, oh. is it actually the effect of the, the frenulum or is it possible that surrounding tissues could also be tight?
1: Yeah, exactly, that's a good question. And that's that's where I was trying to go is, I, I've gone through and kind of looked at it in both ways. Like, okay, let me start, like, again, I go through and evaluate a, a person and I'm like, all right, there's, there's stiffness here, there's this problem here, there's this problem here. And you kind of make this mental note, and then you and then you kind of go back, and you're like, "All right, where do I begin?" And generally, what I have found is, like, for example, let's say somebody's chest is really stiff, and they have a they have a tight diaphragm and phrenopericardial ligament, which is the ligament that anchors the, the pericardium of the heart down into the diaphragm. And uh, what I what I've noticed is, okay, I, I, let me try to release that, and and I, I, I'll, I'll work on that, and it maybe feels a little bit better, but. Uh, I, I can't get it to change very much and then I'll go up and treat the tongue and then I'll go back and recheck that this suddenly is much more pliable and and uh, there's a lot more freedom there than, than there was before and often the patient will be less sensitive in the area so it in, in some way in some ways I use that to kind of tell me okay which one is the main problem in it. And it and to me it, it it doesn't make at least it didn't make sense initially that I was like why, why would this be suddenly like more impactful of what's happening down here? It seems like it should be the other way around where you release the diaphragm and then suddenly this can, this can work. But more often than not, I find most problems tend to originate in the tongue. And that's one of the reasons I, I, I kind of go back to, I think this is the most important place to treat because uh, you, you, I will get a bigger change with the diaphragm by releasing the tongue manually than, than I generally will by trying to start there.
0: Okay, um, that's that's really helpful. That's good to know. Um, I have another question. I know we were talking sort of about like the adenoid face and mm-hmm. um, the long narrow face. One of the things I was talking with another uh, myofunctional therapist about on the podcast recently was the impact on the eyes and on vision. And so, is there anything you can add on that topic or share with us? I know that her thought was that she was. I don't remember if it was a certain occlusion pattern or malocclusion pattern, I should say, um, dentally, because she's an RDH, but um, she did speak to like the high na- high vaulted narrow palate, which tends to then, she also sees um, the vision relationship uh, change as a result of that, which we know is obviously a symptom we see in a lot of our tethered oral tissue patients, that um, high narrow vaulted palate. So can you speak to that a little bit and what you see?
1: Yeah, I've actually... Uh I actually wrote an article, a blog post, on my, uh, my uh, professional website uh, about this a, a while back. But uh, for a long time, I had been trying to figure out, uh, when, when I was evaluating people's palates, um, why the, when I would get to the palatine bones, I was like, well, it feels like they're jammed forward. And I could, they're, they're even like jammed so hard that they've dropped down. There's a little ridge there. Yeah. Uh, and, and I didn't fully understand things at the time. And, and, uh, so I was like, I was, but but at the same time, I, I was like, this doesn't make sense to me because swallowing is a front to back motion. So I was like, why would the palatines be getting jammed forward? Uh, so, uh, at some point, uh, somebody, a dentist came to our office and, and, uh, she was just telling us about I think dental expansion and all that. And she talked, she said something about how they did that. And then somebody's vision got better. And suddenly it, there wasn't anything that she specifically said that was like, Oh, but it, it just, that kind of like triggered the light bulb moment for me where I was like, tongue thrusting.
0: Uh, it
1: finally, it finally dawned on me, you know, like, again, if we're looking at fascially that the, uh, the, Um, the fascia that is continuous with the tongue uh, attaching to the cranial base and the pterygoid processes posteriorly of the, of the sphenoid bone. Every time you're tongue thrusting, you're pulling the the pterygoid processes of the sphenoid forward. And what that does is they sit right behind the palatine bones. So if you're pulling them forward, those are just going to push the palatine bones forward. Now, the ridge that I was feeling that, you know, in, in, as I was feeling the back of the mouth, now I, I've come to think, feel like, okay, that, that it's probably more from the maxillas coming up than the palatines dropping down. But I have noticed that when I, uh, when I decompress the palatine bones and I, and I get a little pressure off the maxillas, that the maxillas go from being more beak shaped in a patient where you feel them ahead of time and then you release, you know, palatine bone, it'll flatten out a little bit. So you, you'll feel a, a, an immediate change there, and, and those are the, ty- the types of things that I that I look at. But anyway, this still hasn't fully answered your question about vision. But the reason it's important is because the the palatine bone, the maxilla, and the sphenoid all form the orbit. Uh, they f- they form the maxilla forms the primary portion of the floor of the orbit. The palatine is a very small portion, but it doesn't mean it's insignificant. And then the sphenoid f- forms a big portion of the back of the orbit and has all the, uh, it has the extraocular muscles attaching to them and the optic nerve and uh, the other nerves going to the eye, passing through uh, foramen in the in the sphenoid. So if there is a change in its, in its ability to uh, develop normally in the orbit, because if the if the maxilla is high, if you're going to, you got to think about it, you know, if the maxilla doesn't develop normally and it's high, it's going to push everything. And and so that all these other structures in the orbit have to try to adapt. And, and we don't, you know, we don't necessarily always think about uh, the orbit itself as needing to be developed properly for vision, but uh, vision is very, it's, it's a very sensitive mechanism. Your eyes, first of all, uh, need to be sitting equally in terms of vertically and then also anteriorly in in your in the eye sockets to be able to process the information that is coming in them properly so uh, any disturbance in that can potentially affect vision and so when when you have uh changes with that then, then it affects things and and one thing that i've noticed treating a lot of tongues is that and, and, and i know this for myself is that oftentimes the tongue isn't tethered equally either. Usually one side is going to be more tethered than the other. And in my case, my right side is more tethered. And this potentially would be a reason that I would consider going back and having another release would be that I can feel that my right, the right side of my tongue uh, being more tethered is even though I can get it up to my palate, it doesn't quite have the same... Uh, it, 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 it's like, it doesn't reach in the same way. So, you know, when I look at my, when I've studied my face, for example, because I know people do this all the time, right?
0: Uh, <laughs> if you're was, in the bio world, you might. <laughs> and, and,
1: and again, I, I, I wrote an article about this on my, on my blog, but I was I mean,
0: like, I, I think I have it here that, uh, that was sent to me now that I'm recalling <laughs> that. it's the osteopathic integrative medicine on how does how swallowing correctly can affect your eyes.
1: Yeah. And, and so, you know, I'm like, if I stick my tongue out, the right side of my tongue is narrower than, than my left. If I, you know, if I look at my jaw, like underneath my, my jaw is the space from right to left is, is narrower on the right. You know, my fate, my whole face is also narrower on the right, but then also I don't have as good a contact with the, with the right side there. But then also if, if you were to look at my eyes like and you're trying to look at things vertically like my right eye is also higher because my maxilla is higher mm-hmm. on the right as a result and so um these are these are all things that are affecting uh again kind of craniofacial development but also how how the eyes are going to be functioning and, de- and, and developing and, and and so if they're not equal and you don't have that symmetry you're going to potentially affect a- affect vision. I mean, it's it's strange to me that now we've, we're, you know, in our society, we've gotten to the point where like glasses and braces and having wisdom teeth removed, it, like to us, it's become so normal because it's become so common. Mm-hmm. But really, it's such a it's a sign of a huge problem, and and we've we've just gotten so used to it that we think it's normal, but that's not how things were a thousand years ago. You
0: know, mm-hmm. yeah. And,
1: uh, anyway that's
0: yeah no, that it's fascinating actually to hear that i mean i i'm the only one in my family despite having orthodontic relapse and having my tongue tie released just a couple years ago and um and despite having like lifelong issues from since birth from with feeding and all that fun you know all the fun symptoms everybody with more severe tongue ties have um my, i'm the only one in my family who does not need glasses which is interesting to me because you know my palate is not really high and narrow, but it was high and narrow enough to throw things off. I have a deviated septum. And I've also had issues where like, I've got a got ptosis and my left lid. And you know, there's just all kinds of in the left side of my body just seems to be like my weaker side in general with injuries. And I was always told that, Oh, your left leg is shorter than your right leg until I went to somebody who finally adjusted my hips and said, No, actually, if we Put your li- your hips like this your legs are exactly the equal length your body just has a tendency to you know turn and the hips kind of turn and that carries everything else and that's affecting you you know throughout the whole body and when they said that i was like well that makes so much sense because i just my entire left side has seemed to struggle my whole life so um even to the point where that's the side where the maxilla is turned it is turned on the left side the right side seems to be okay and my mandible seems okay um, but the physical therapist who does the, the counter the manual counterstream with me at my dental appliance adjustment appointments um, and I see him in between too because I'm at a point where nothing will change unless he's doing the work um, he's the one who pointed that out when I initially thought my mandible was out of alignment because my upper and lower central incisors don't match up. Um, and I look back at pictures and I'm like, well, this has been going on for a while. Why has nobody ever said anything or noticed this? (laughs) So it's it's pretty fascinating. Just the whole body impact. It's really kind of (laughs) crazy.
1: Right. Well, I, I mean, I have a, a dental implant that I got put in like, uh, between high school and college and, and, uh, you know, back then when I had it put in, it was perfectly aligned with all my other teeth, and and since then, since I've had all this, all this work, and you know, I'm I'm actually getting dental expansion as well. But uh, in in the last uh, ten years or so, after I've had all these things changed, I've noticed that my my teeth have shifted, except for the dental implant. So now, now I kind of have this thumb sucker pattern, and I'm like, it's. It's not that I suck my thumb, it's, it's this implant that, that now is like sticking out and I, and I probably need to get that fixed at some point, uh, but it's, it's not an easy process, so I'm not really trying to yeah, push for that.
0: Yeah, no, I think a lot of people in our space probably do spend more time than the average person looking at our own faces and our own alignment issues and in our own mouths. And you mm-hmm. start to go down this rabbit hole of like, Oh, well, look at that and oh that now that makes sense. Now I understand why this happened and you know, with right. my appliance it's actually forced an open bite. Um and so my my teeth are all out ad- of are all misaligned at the moment, but um yeah faces on the side, but all for a good cause. We're, we're working, working on that. Um, but it was interesting because I had permanent upper and lower retainers that held my teeth in place for most of, I think they were put in when I was a teen. And I, finally at 30, I was like, I was told these would fall out when I was 20. Like, do we want to keep them in? Do we want to take them out? And they're like, we can take them out. So they took them out. And then what do you know, all my teeth started to shift. <laughs> and I was like, hold on a second. Like this has been holding something in place for I don't know, 15 years and you you take it off. And with a matter of weeks, months, things start shifting like that. That can't be right. Like something's up here. And so it was a really interesting uh, journey to start down, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) figure out the root of that problem. Um, Is there anything else you can think of just in terms of like the tongue and connection with the body that we haven't covered? I know we've we've covered a lot.
1: Yeah. I'll, let me tell you, (laughs) quick story and then I'll, I'll share something else I've also uh, kind of thought about but uh, a, a few years ago uh, I gave a, a talk about how the body was connected to the um, or how the tongue was connected to the rest of the body at a, at a, a IAOM conference and about a month before I, I was invited to give that same talk to a group of dentists at a course uh, here in Denver and um, I was, I was giving the, the talk and I was kind of going through this whole thing, actually talking about how, the, you know, the Palatines, I, w- I was finding that they were jammed forward. And so, you know, as I'm going through my slide, I'm, I, I asked the question, you know, I was trying to figure out why the Palatines were jammed forward. And, and then from kind of from the peanut gallery, one of the instructors for that course, uh, you know, just blurts out like, you know, like I, they, they aren't you know, and, and so, uh, and then I asked some other question, and he was like, they're not, you know, kind of a thing. And, and uh, it just threw me off, you know, and then, then I kind of got through the rest of my presentation. And I felt a little bit, you know, like, Oh, my God, am I doing the right thing going and giving this presentation, like everybody's gonna think I'm an idiot, you know, and, and I was like, I have, nobody's come and spent time like to, to see what, how, like I really operate and to let me justify, you know, my claims and things like that. But as soon as I finished that lecture, uh, probably about 15 minutes later, uh, I got a call from, from my dad, you know, I was like, well, this is weird. Why is he calling me? And, and he was like, well, I don't want you to be concerned, but your mom was in a car accident. And and so I was like, Oh, okay. Well, everything's okay. She's like, yeah, but, uh, later it turned out that she had broken her sternum. And so uh, I went home, I mean, shortly after that, you know, feeling again, kind of sorry for myself, like, oh, do I really know what I'm talking about? I'm kind of an idiot, and all this stuff. And and so, um, but one of the things about it is, you know, my, my parents live within walking distance. So my mom is a, is a big fan of of osteopathic treatment and and she asked me to treat her and and this was a unique thing because I've I've really never had the opportunity to treat somebody who's had a fracture like within hours you know and and, or even that same day like usually I don't see them until much later but um as I was treating her you know I'd spent time working on her chest very gently you know about all that I was like "Eh, it feels okay like I'm I feel like I'm making some progress, but there's still some things there I can't quite figure out. And finally after a second or two or after a while doing that, I I realized, you know, I was like, well, you know, I just gave this whole talk about how the tongue is connected to the sternum and all this. I was like, well, let me let me do the, you know, talk the or walk the walk, not just talk the talk. And and so uh, I treated her tongue and as soon as her tongue released, she took this deep breath, her chest goes clunk. And then she was like, oh, now I can breathe better. Oh. And the interesting thing was, you know, they had told her at the emergency room, you know, like, you're gonna be the most sore tomorrow and it's gonna take you this long to recover. Mm-hmm. The next day she was not as sore, she felt better. Mm-hmm. And then her recovery was about half of what uh, they had projected for, for her in terms of how severe her pain was going to be and all that. So uh, then at that point I was like, okay, let me, you know, again, kind of like, I'm, I feel like I'm misunderstood, but I, I I do feel like the information I have is valuable. Yeah. So, you know, I I do feel like, again, the kind of going back to how, important the tongue is but you know one thing you mentioned earlier that I did want to speak to a little bit in is that um, you know you had used the term of you know the tongue is is connected from the head to the toes and one one observation I had made because in the past I'd always been like well you know telling people you know like the way the tongue develops embryologically is similar to how the you know the Uh, the webbing in our fingers and and toes develop, you know, where we start out looking like aquatic animals, and the webbing recedes and until we get to where we need it. And then at that point where, you know, then that process stops, but in the tongue, it doesn't seem to complete. And, but I was like, why doesn't that ever happen to fingers and toes? And most of the time I treat my patients with socks on, but eventually I started, I had a patient a few years ago who was like, oh, I had really bad bunions and um and she was like i i feel like i probably i've had them since i was like seven and and I, uh, in the past i had always I, I had often been like well a lot of this is related to you know the the way the shoes reshape the feet and all that you know we're constantly putting our our feet and in, in something that's gonna potentially reshape it but i was like i can't i can't explain that by at seven years old, he would have that already. So I was trying to figure out, you know, like, what is, why is this? And as I was treating her, I realized, you know, I was like, her webbing was like all the close to her, the tips of her toes. Wow. <laughs> and so then I was like, well, this is probably why her feet are deformed, you know, in in, in terms of the bunions and everything and, and why it's so severe. Uh, so then at that point, she was like, you know, she was like, My sister, her feet are even worse. And and she was like, and I and I'd been talking to her about how the webbing probably was it. And she was like, Yeah, and her webbing is even worse than mine. So at that point, I started looking at it in terms of like, okay, well, um, you know, is are are webbed toes a common thing? And the more I started looking at it, I'm like, it's it's actually very common i went to a study group a few months ago for um a group here in colorado and i and i and i kind of brought that up to them i was like well you know i I, a lot of times when i I see tongue ties i'm also seeing like the 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 webbed toes and and somebody there was like well i've I've got a tongue tie can you check my toes and and sure enough like you know she took off her socks and I, i tried to spread them apart and i'm like yeah you've got webbing here because and, and and I think the best way I can describe it to people who, who don't know how to assess for that is, is like, if you try to spread the toes apart, if what stops you is not the joint itself, but the tissue, uh, then that's probably going to be that that's, that, that's likely to me a, a reason that that or uh, from web toes. So, um, so I've, I've started to see a lot of that. And, and I don't have any research in terms of like, you know, is it? is there an actual connection there to me it makes sense but i, I don't have a, it's just an observation that it, that i've made but um but with hands I've, I've only seen it one time where i've seen somebody who's got webbing like uh but I, but to me like the thing that i really found interesting with that is 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 that now i see it pretty regularly where people are like they come in they're like i have bunions it's really bad and i look at their toes and they've got webbed toes and i'm like well this is probably why but but the thing to me is like, if, if the webbing of the toes uh, is by itself is enough to cause that kind of a foot deformity, think about what's happening with a web or, you know, a tethered tongue, because the tongue is also a very dynamic structure. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to point that out. And it's something that I think if you start looking at, you're going to find it a lot more that you may have even realized.
0: I'm over here looking at my feet, going, "Do I have web toes?" <laughs> I know I had a tongue tie, and I know that I've got other, you know, yeah. issues. Um, but no, it's really, it's really interesting once you start to go down the rabbit hole of, you know, all things tethered or all tissues, and then all, obviously the impact on the full body. It's, it's fascinating, and it's. Um, I actually have a meeting. We have an upcoming meeting with our our uh, study club virtually, and I want to ask them, you know, if they've noticed anything as far as web toes go. And I'm sure they're all going to take off their shoes. And it's funny because we won't be in the same room together since it's virtual right now. But right. Um, I'm sure everyone's going to go like, hold on, let me look at my feet. <laughs> See. Yeah. Haven't seen this clinically because it's it's a lot of like RDHS dentists, um, you know, myofunctional therapists, speech. Um, we do have um, the os- we have an osteopathic couple in our group, and then uh, we have a vision therapist and some other dentists. So I don't know how many of us, maybe the osteopaths, but I don't know who else is actually looking at feet typically. But now it's something I want to be like, hey, can you take off your shoes? I'm curious to see your toes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually didn't don't usually have patients take off their socks. So it's, it's, I mean, now I often do and when I expect to find it and I usually do. I mean, it's, it's yeah. funny, but.
0: so interesting. It's, it's very fascinating just how everything is so interconnected. And, um, you know, I know there's... There is a people say there's oh there's a lack of research to say this and to show that and to demonstrate that. And we get that even on the topic of like sippy cups. People want to know, well, where's the research to show that this sippy cup is you know producing a tongue thrust pattern? I'm like, drink from it. You'll feel it. We don't always need research when we constantly see things repeatedly clinically. You know, evidence evidence evidence-based practice is the you know, one level of evidence evidence evidence-based practice is clinical experience. So and what you're seeing clinically. So I think it's really. Awesome that you're putting this information out there and sharing it, despite the fact that there's always going to be hecklers that don't agree with us. You know, I put yep. myself out there all the time with this podcast and say things where I'm like, you know, I might change my mind five years down the road and go, "What, what was I thinking when I said that?" But it's okay. what I know right now. It's what I see clinically. It's what I know from speaking to so many awesome colleagues in this space. So I think it's fabulous that you're putting yourself out there and sharing this information because it it makes sense to me. And I know that this is the kind of information that really helps a lot of um, the myofunctional therapists and other professionals that are listening to the podcast. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you want to share?
1: Uh, let me think. Uh, just briefly, there's. A, I, want, I wanted to share another just basic idea that I'm, I'm sure a lot of people probably have already uh, thought about this, but, you know, I've, I've also spent time, you know, we, we talk about having the tongue up on the palate and how important that is in terms of normal facial development. But uh, I also just wanted to point out, you know, like the, that there is a dynamic process going on when the, son, when the tongue is just resting on the palate. It's not like it rests on the, on the palate and, and then it's just there, motionless, doing nothing. Because if, if you take a moment and uh, put your palate on the roof of your mouth, close your eyes, and meditate on that for a little bit, like take some deep breaths, what you're going to feel is that, what, what you're going to notice is that when your tongue is sitting there on the palate, it's going through a rising and falling, not necessarily separating from the palate, but the, when, you, when you take a deep a breath in, your chest rises, trachea comes up, pulls the, and it pushes the tongue up. And then when you exhale, the opposite happens, and then the tongue drops down a little bit. But then also it's coming forward and back, so it's 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 a, a, when it comes up, it expands a little bit. When it drops down, it it, it narrows, and so it's you've got this coming up, expansion coming down, um, and and narrowing, and then at the same time, it's also coming up and forward, and then coming down and back. And I think that's part of what Triggers that uh, that motion there, and I and I also uh, from just uh, t- I, I I theorize that that also has an effect on how blood flows uh, on the other side, you know, and it helps pull pull blood from people who uh, potentially have the bags under their eyes, things like that. But but that was just a you know a. a an observation that, I, that I've made that that I, I, I haven't really ever heard people necessarily talk about it. I mean, cranial, like osteopaths have talked about it in terms of cranial motion and things like that, but I've, I haven't really heard anybody specifically talking about it in terms of of that whole
0: process. Well, or, that, of. Pallets. It's an interesting concept. I mean, it makes sense if we think about, well, the tongue just lightly, gently resting up on the palate is not going to shape the palate just by holding itself up there. But it, that change between pressure... Of you know tongue coming down, tongue going back up, and you know maybe it's there's more pressure of the tongue against the palate at one point, and then decreases a bit. Um, I mean that would make sense to me just just from knowing how things work in general and how some of the treatments work too that are very light touch, but a little bit of pressure, but then we kind of back off, or you know it just it makes sense to me that that would be responsible for shaping the palate the way that it does, and obviously when we don't have that any pressure up against the palate, things just collapse. So um, that's pretty cool. It's it's insightful. It's very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Any other cool things you have to share with us today? (laughs) I've learned, I've already learned so much.
1: No, I just hope I've been able to give you guys a lot of value. But I did want to mention, you know, I'm I'm putting together uh, this little mini course website. uh, And it's it's called the, the T element. Uh, and so if you go to the T com, you can. And right now it, it looks, I'm, I'm kind of going through this course on how to like build a sales funnel and all this stuff. My <laughs> ultimate goal is to try to get it to, to the masses. But yeah. so if it looks a little bit cheesy and all that, I apologize for that. But, but if, if you do go on there and, and you get on the, on the mailing list, uh, you know, one of when I, finish putting together this this course what I plan on having for it is is showing a way that uh where where I think hopefully you'll you'll find some value out of this where I show how the tongue it's and and where it is in its position is Mm -hmm. is affecting the the change of the a a real-time change in the body so Mm -hmm. so I'm going to demonstrate like with a partner how you can have them move their tongue, and, and you're going to be able to feel and see their, their, the shape of their body uh, changing and adapting as that happens. And, and I think that's something that uh, hopefully will will be really valuable for for even uh, the oral myofunctional therapists or anybody else. Because then, then once you learn that, you can you can start sharing it with with your patients and showing them like, okay, this, this isn't just something that's that's happening here. It's it's something that's happening in in the rest of the body. And then uh, also I. Uh, probably what I'm, what one of the things I want to do with this course is also put together a little uh, meditation, like I was saying, like a tongue meditation, like I was, where where you could kind of go through and try to feel this whole, uh, th- th- this whole what how it's everything is is kind of flowing and moving in concert that's potentially uh, affecting the the uh, the palate and the, the cranial shape and all that but uh, but but, it is interesting because you know as with how the face develops in in underdeveloped jaws you know we we often get kind of get stuck thinking you know it's we have this underdeveloped jaw, but the tongue is still the same shape, but it's not just the tongue though that is is being affected by this it's it's the whole area, so sometimes we have to keep that in mind because it's easy to forget that but that's the only other thing I was I was going to mention,
0: and and. Uh... Awesome, I am a little bit woo woo, so I really love to hear <laughs> this little meditation because I'm like, oh, I need I need this meditation. You have to send it to me. Um, yeah, I'm excited to to check out your course when you launch it. I think that would be really awesome to have that demonstration. I know. Um, and I'm gonna, I completely forget why we even do this. It's completely slipping my slipping my mind. But I know we have tests where we like ask people. Um, I don't remember if it's like stand up, put your tongue up on the spot and, you know, hold your arms out and okay provide resistance. And then you have them drop their tongue and you try it again. And when they drop their tongue, like they can't provide the same amount of resistance against you pushing down on their arm. Um, as when their tongue was like up in the palate, that may have been it, or I might be totally botching that whole demonstration. But, um, I remember we learned that in my, my Mayo course. And the other thing that comes to me is that the person who does a lot of work on me, um, at the beginning and end of every session, he's always testing. You know, I'll put my elbows near my body and my arms straight out. And he does this little like scratch test thing. And then he'll kind of like, you know, push. He'll be like, okay, give me resistance. And oftentimes before he treats me, it's either asymmetrical, like I can do it more on one side than the other, or it's just kind of like, whoop, that went in really fast. And then when he's done, and he does it like with the arms out too, with, you know, um, testing up and down and then testing in and out. Um, and so, anyways, when he's done treating me, it's I can always see the changes. I'm always I'm able to pr- provide more bilateral resistance, <laughs> equally more equal uh, resistance on both sides, uh, compared to like the pre-test. And so, it's pretty cool to see that and to see like that impact, you know, before and after within that same session.
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean, I. I really like what I was intending with, with building this, this whole course was, you know, showing people how they can actually manually release their tongue and cool. and uh, this whole oral area that uh, I think can be really uh, impactful in terms of, again, neck pain, headaches, all these things. So that was really the whole intention of the course, but wow. but as, as kind of as a side thing, I was going to add all these different pieces of, of
0: That's awesome.
1: you know, because I've, I, I do feel like it's helpful to have that that kind of Proof, you know, where you can, where where you can show, uh, you know, in, in, how the body structure and posture changes immediately when somebody, you know, changes their their, their tongue positioning. It's, it, to me, it's not it's not that it's not about resistance because there definitely is that, but I think that uh, can sometimes be also be perceived in uh, uh, like, oh, that's a subjective thing. They're they're right. faking that and all that, but. Uh, you know, the way I really have come to um, understand it, 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 it's not something that somebody can fake, you know, and, and but you can see a change happen. So mm-hmm. uh, then in those cases, I, I, I think that's it's hopefully a beneficial way of, of sh- or a different way of showing yeah, potentially the same thing that, that might maybe potentially be a little more convincing.
0: Oh, cool. I love it. Well, I can't wait for it. Um, this has been amazing as I mentioned, we will include, um, you had provided a research paper that we'll include in the show notes as well as the T element.com. We'll include that as well. Um, so that they can get on your wait list. Um, and I can always talk course creation stuff all day because i just launched one in the middle of the pandemic and we're launching another thing in the summer. So I, I feel your pain there. <laughs> Yeah. a lot to learn all the back I hope people don't appreciate we'll just put this little plug out there people don't appreciate all of the extra work that goes into like creating the course beyond just the content which also takes a lot of hours to create and put together as well so yeah. the labor of love <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah we'll make sure that that's in the notes i'm also going to attach that um vision article I don't know if that was the same one that you linked. I don't think it is, but um, on how swallowing incorrectly can affect your eyes since we did talk about that too. So um, yeah.
1: So I think that one I have, it, my, it may be yeah. on uh, my professional pages, Daniel Lopez do.com. And then a lot of times I post the same things over on our, my practice page, which is OIM care.com. But uh, probably I've got more material on Daniel Lopez and, terms of okay. all my tongue tie history and experience so that that would probably be the best way to go if or the pl- best place to go to if, if you want to read what i've written about those things
0: okay so we'll put that in the show notes as well so anybody driving you don't need to write all this down it'll be in the show notes um we'll have all those things linked i thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all of your knowledge
1: you're you're welcome I'm, anytime i'm I, I love this it was fun
0: Okay, we can do it again all right <laughs> thanks for listening to this podcast if you want to hear more of these myotots airway and feeding related episodes be sure to leave a review on apple podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the untethered podcast if you found value others you know in this space will too so be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms Join us over on Facebook, on my Facebook page at Hallie Balkan Biz, on Instagram at, at Hallie And you can head over to theuntetheredpodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes, um, where you can also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes.